Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, we might as well yeah, we'll start this now. Uh, hi, everyone. This is uh, the three questions with Andy Richter. And uh, that's Michaela Watkins talking on the other end of the uh, the pod here. Oh, yeah. We have two uh, cups, one string. Yeah. We have a pod between us, <laughs> which is the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so I mean, happy to be here. I'm... I'm uh, I don't know you very well, but we know a ton of people in common and I do, but I, you're also like one of those people that I feel like I do know you. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And, yeah. uh, you're like, kind of like, you're like me, like there's nothing too precious that you, I mean, there are things I probably wouldn't tell everybody in the world, but right. like for the most part, pretty open book. Um, I don't know. You seem very familiar to me. Yeah. Well, I, th- Especially for what I do for a living, mm-hmm. the 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 people that are that you get the sense like, oh, I'm talking to who this person is all the time mm-hmm. is is it is it's not necessarily rare, but it is a distinct thing, and I mm-hmm. think it is in the minority of showbiz assholes, and yeah. uh, and I you seem to be like you're a you know, a WYSIWYG person. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Yeah. A WYSIWYG. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Now that, I don't feel like I know you at all. <laughs> Nobody I know would ever say that. Is WYSIWYG. Well, I'm a big techie. That's oh. why, you know, oh, garbage okay. in, garbage out. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm just a star athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we, and we have a bunch of friends in common too. Mm-hmm. We know a bunch of people in common. That's true. Some of your, your, your Chicago contingency, which yes. I've never spent any substantial time there other than to shoot one thing one week, one time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I like it and I'm from Syracuse. So New York, which is like, like Chicago adjacent. I mean, it's, it's more Midwest than it is East coast. I, I, Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I w- when I first moved to New York, I was surprised at how country upstate New York is. Yeah. You know. I know. And you say, you know, where are you from and to anybody? Oh, that's one of your questions. Yeah. Um, but if you say that to anybody, you know, and I say upstate New York, they're like, oh, I love Westchester County. You're yeah, like, no, yeah, no, yeah. no. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, keep hours, going. Until you, you hit Canada. Yeah, right. Uh, we're where right the there. inbreeding really starts. <laughs> yeah. Well, now let's get to let's get to that. You're you're from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Um, were you born there? 
I was born there, Cross uh-huh. Irving Memorial Hospital. And uh, and your folks are academics. My dad is a is a professor, a math professor at Syracuse. Um, he just retired, but he's still he's still working away doing math. <laughs> Honestly, one time I uh, I picked him up because I had to go to an audition, like when I first moved to L.A., and I let, dropped him off at the tar pits. And uh, as one does, as one drops off a mathematician, go to the tar pits, Uh have a field day. And I came back and when I told him I was going to pick him up and he was lying on the lawn staring at the sky and I had to like double park my car, throw on the hazards and run over and be like, dad, I'm picking you up now. I'm I'm here. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just lost in a math problem. I was like. Sorry, gals. He's taken. <laughs> Is are you in any way that like? I'm do you a daydreamer. You know what I mean, but uh, math. I mean, because math to me is so yeah foreign. I'm mathish. Uh, yeah, I'm not his kind of math. He does combinatorics and plane theory. I I'm more like. I can play a board. I, like I figured out sort of, oh, I think I know how to win at Settlers of Catan, like uh-huh. pretty, easy, you know, pretty early on, that kind of thing. Or yeah. I'm st- I'm strategical in terms of, I, you know, always loved card games and puzzles and yeah, things yeah. like that. Um, but my dad, and, and I always like love it. It's a very fun thing for me. Like this train is going this you know, amount of time and try to figure it out. Like those are exciting, fun games. Yeah. Um, so I used to love to balance my checkbook. I used to... <laughs> Love it. And you don't any, or does someone do it for you now? Uh, no, it's a shit show. I think I might go to jail. Really? So maybe. Seriously? I don't know what's happening anymore. Like, everything is credit card. You know, before it was like, when you are living paycheck to paycheck, Yeah. and your your wage is based on your tips and everything like yeah. that, the, the only upshot, I would say, of that time in my life was I knew exactly what was happening all the time. Yes, and how much money you had. Yeah, and I mean, it's also like a, it's a burden because you're like, oh, that person ordered another beer. Okay, that's going to set me back, you know. <laughs> but at, at the same time, I was like, I'm going to have a steak because I earned it this week, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you could, and that was so stress-free. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You never... You were never out of your mean, or I wasn't right, right. responsible. Having yeah, see, a mathematician. Too. I had, I had to, when I incorporated, mm-hmm. you know, which <clears throat> are you incorporate? Yeah, I you, am. yeah, it's something. I mean, I you know, I don't know if some people know, but it's just basically, it's a tax dodge <laughs> in a way. Yeah. you become you become well, your own. Especially little- now that you you know. So sad, but donations are only yeah. tax deductible for people who are yep. incorporated. And I yep. do a lot of that shit. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, it just sucks. Yeah. You know, people yeah. trying to do good. And the, the only incentive they had was that was sometimes tax, tax deductible. So right. they were like, okay, it's not a total it's almost, hardship, you know. I mean, I don't want to get too much off on this tangent, but mm-hmm. yeah, it does seem like there is a real pro cruelty vibe mm-hmm. that is kind of like let's let's try and let's, dry out yeah, the I most needy as right, like, aggressively as possible let's make let's make giving and caring as difficult as possible yeah. let's yeah let's let's sort of de-incentivize just basic decency yeah 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 it's like not a yeah value i think that i i think that it's like some sort of knee jerk reaction to uh, what they call uh, compassion? No, no. Uh, Empathy. 
uh, income <laughs> distribution or whatever, you know, uh-huh. the dis- the redistribution of wealth. Okay. You know, like they think that like they don't like the notion that any of their money might be taken away to be given to poor people mm-hmm. because they think, which is, you know, it's like. I make a good living Mm -hmm. and I could never, ever in a million years think I deserve every penny I get like for being on a talk show. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm doing what I used to do for free. Right. And I'm getting paid very well for it. So the notion that like I, every penny's mine is just bananas to me, but there are people that feel that way. They're like, you know, and, and I think they're just the notion that, uh, Giving to poor people. I think that's like been the hardest thing about these last few years for me is that realization is just like not everybody. I just assumed, especially like I'm not Christian, but I grew up in a Christian sort of town and world yeah, and yeah. environments. And I, you know, I absorb like a lot of what is talked about. I've seen every embroidered pillow and they all have this whole, you know, giving. Na- Do unto others. Yeah, yeah. this whole thing. And I just... Sort of thought like we all collectively agreed that we're going to take care of each other. Mm -hmm. And then I just realized in the last few years that there are people who who just fundamentally they don't have it. They don't have that sort of file in their download that they just I don't or it's not been uploaded to their mainframe and they just don't really care or want to or feel any and I it's just so strange to me because it just feels so embedded in yeah. my being, you know. I think what happens is there's a tribalism where people think, oh yes, I believe in the golden rule. Mm-hmm. But the notion of others mm-hmm. doing to others as you yeah. would have them do, you know, the others is like, well, there are others that I do have that in, that I'll, will fall under that. And then there are other others that are just that like they're not me. Mm-hmm. They're not, I don't have to really think of them because they're so different from me. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know. I mean, it's not like I've been a saint my whole life. Let's be honest about yeah, that. Yeah. You know, but when people made fun of me as a kid, I learned very quickly how to do unto others. It's <laughs> like, I will make fun of you. And yeah. I found out I was pretty good at it sometimes, you know. Like, yeah. But then as you get older, you're like, oh, it's not, I don't. I guess it's sort of a sign of weakness that I default to that. So maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll try to, you know, leave the world better than I found it. I find too young people because as a young comedian or a young comedy person, there was a lot of you call it whatever you want, ball busting ragging on the Chicago is ragging on each oh, other. Yeah, that's a Boston. I moved to Boston when I was 15. So oh, okay. Ragging was a big yeah. one. Used, yeah. And, uh, and that's what you do. You know, there's all this kind of like insult comedy. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on, you're just like, Oh, you know what? I, that's, Oh no. Yeah. There's a toxicity to that. Yeah. that I don't think I want to partake in. And I honestly feel like I'd rather say nice things to people whose company I enjoy than then say like, you know, like, well, that's you, you fucking idiot. I think if we could just do 90-10, that's pretty good. 90% like try to be our higher selves. And yeah. then 10% of the time, if we're going to just, you know, people need an outlet. You got to off gas. You got to off gas yeah. a little bit. And if you're like, fuck this fucking guy yep. over here, you know, if you have to do that, like keep it 10 or below percent. Of I think there's nothing... Nothing wrong with harmless therapeutic bitching. Yeah. 
you know, just like sitting and and saying like (laughs) that fucking guy. And it, you know, you know, there, even it's non-confrontational. It's just, again, like I said, it's off gassing. Yeah. It's just like uh, this poison judgment builds up and every once in a while you got to yeah. dump it out. Or you're, so. You know, you're going to, you're going to do something more stupid. Yeah. Or you're going to start to resent being, well, I hope we I hope everybody has learned everything there is about being a good person today. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they're they're still they're on the edge of their seats. I know. <laughs> so um, let's get back to your dad. Was he because I, just in that little m- microcosm you told me, was he an engaged parent? Yes and no. Um, after my parents split, he became more at, engaged. At which age? I was eight or nine, uh-huh. uh, and then it was a very stressful time. Both my parents were totally out to lunch. Um, you mean? Just reeling from the divorce. Yes. It was the 70s, so they were out for blood. Like, they didn't know another way to divorce. Uh It was sort of like Kramer versus Kramer. It was like, it didn't even start out pretty. It just went straight to ugly. Um, And I didn't know anybody else whose parents were divorced, so there was really no template for that. Yeah. And And there was no hiding it from you. There wasn't. I mean, Did not you have even si- an any siblings. Two older sisters. Okay. One just smoked pot through the entire. She was six and a half years older than me. Yeah. So she was stoned. The other one is like a serious um, intellectual. She's an awesome badass, but at the time she was a supreme next level nerd, and she like learned Japanese, graduated high school early and got the fuck out of Syracuse. Oh, wow. <laughs> so she was like, she just put her head in a book. Yeah. Um, so two very different ways of dealing it with it. But I was like eight, nine, and I just absorbed all of yeah. it. You know, I wanted to kind of fix it and fix yeah. them. And yeah, you know, I just kind of wanted to normalize their whole everything because everything was so disrupted. Yeah. Um, but did they, did they confide in you and like, did they share overshare like aspects of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I wish I was a little more protected. I always thought I would love to do like a, this American life kind of thing. I probably shouldn't go into that on here, but, um, why? Cause it's so personal about my parents. Like oh, it's oh, my oh, story. Yeah, I would yeah. tell it, but it's about my parents. Yeah. The long and short of it is, you know, my mom always accused my dad of something, which he forever denied. And my dad never apologized for what he clearly did that my mom really needed to hear. <laughs> and I and always it, were wanted they to two different of, things. It's the same thing. Oh, but I feel like if I could just interview them separately and give them each the tape, we'll just be like, you know, while you were so angry at him about this, do you think it was helpful to tell your daughters about it, you know, um, and just have her be like, you know, because don't, don't you think that kind of soured us a little on her dad, you know, and like just have her have her opinion about it and then just say to my dad, like, you know, could you just apologize for this thing you did yeah. and let her have that, you know, could, yeah, yeah. would that have been so... Hard, like it's been so many years. The truth is, it's been so many years that now nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of felt like it would be a really nice fine point on a story. Well, and I do think that's like because I had a very similar situation mm-hmm. in that my mom will say things like, When you were about 10, I stopped arguing with you because you would always win. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeking your advice because you had good advice, mm-hmm. which I mean, as as the time as a child, and if especially, I were a mother, and my kids said that, I would feel so 
It'd be so gratifying. <laughs> yeah. What do you? Oh, I said that. You're yeah, always yeah. right, and so I seek your advice. Yes, I'd be like, oh. But, but the thing <laughs> Did is, you read my diary. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted to hear a person say. But the thing is, though, is that it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's it's too much, right. and at the time, it felt. It felt flattering and special, and I felt mature, and mm-hmm. I felt valued. But it, it's like one of those things where having become a parent, looking back and seeing that kind of thing and think like, oh, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't do that because I know what it did to me, right. which is kind of created years and years and years of putting off me and my, and what I wanted out of life. Mm-hmm. And because I had gotten so used to sort of taking care of other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I'm a fucking talk show sidekick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, a, it's, <laughs> it's not a coincidence. I, it's like I was engineered for the fucking job. Uh, you know, it's, you know, like these sort of like, no, no, I'll be fine. Right. You, you go get what you need. I'm, mm-hmm. I'll be here when, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, but I also too, as a father, I'll be and, liked enough. Huh? I'll be liked enough. Yeah. But you, yeah. Well, like I always, I've also said this too, that like in improv, I early, doing improv early on, I learned like there are some people, they really need it. And you Mm -hmm. get on stage with the people that really need it. And Mm -hmm. just my, my, my makeup uh, is just go like, all right, go ahead, go Mm -hmm. get it. I'll stand back here. And then it's. As you get more poised mm-hmm. as a performer, you, it becomes, you go ahead, I'll be back here, and I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand back here, and I will wait, and I will come in, and I will step on you. It's such a funny dichotomy that you are because, you know, I just love, and I know you're being facetious, yeah. but um, but I just love the idea of I will win at improv, which yes. is like so, you know, yes. uh, just so counterintuitive to well, everything that improv is. But at the same time, like, that's what my suspicion is about every person who is happy to be a sidekick, you know, or yeah. the, is, you know, or the support team is, yes. is that somewhere in the back of their mind, they've got the whole picture wired and they're like, oh, oh no, I'm make no mistake. I'm, it's not all like, I know exactly what's happening. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it, it's like, oh, okay, go ahead. Take up all the oxygen. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I know where the exits are. Yes. Yeah. And I, yeah. And so, uh, but uh, <clears throat> what, uh, what I was saying like about, about that dynamic being set up is that I also, as a parent, look back at my mom and think because she went through uh, a a pretty bad divorce when I was a teenager and Mm -hmm. I was very much included in knowing too much about what was happening. Mm -hmm. And, and I do, I, I do have sympathy in that, like she was hurting, you know, and she, and yeah. Can you imagine trying to parent when you are, not sure you're going to be able to have a house yeah. anymore yeah, or yeah. a roof over your head yeah. or clothes or any way to provide for your kids. Yeah. I, I just really feel for my parents at that time. And emotionally, you know, the heartbreak and the it, what they did terribly was was what they were, you know, was the arguments over stuff. That yeah. was that was the shitty part. Yeah, Everything yeah. else I, I understand. I wish... You know, I think parents then also forgot you're not just, you know, saying something 
crappy about my mom or my dad. You're saying something crappy about half of my DNA. Yes. So, you know, I think it instilled a real loss of esteem for me. Yes. Um, And I think I had to learn to overcome it because through the eyes of both my parents, you know, each half of me was such a fucking loser for for one reason or or, or another, you know? And so I, I think I had to repair that. I've actually never said that before, mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a real revelation. But I, I is I, it something you knew? Well, the- I just thought, you know, I just think I thought, oh, I'm, I'm really, but maybe I'm a sensitive kid, which I, I think I am, you know. Yeah. But uh, and I think I made, you know, most out of what was happening. You know, I found, thank God, humor was sort of my, you know, sherpa out of yeah. this time. But yeah. I, I think like. Thank God I had that. You know, I think I have sort of this weird, it's funny, I have like this sort of bit of optimism that's kind of thread in there, even though for day-to-day things, I can tell you all the horrible things that are happen. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel if you are really down in the dumper, you want to come to me because I'm going to yeah. find the, I'm going to find the light. But, and I think, thank God for these things that I'm lucky to have, you mm-hmm. know, that are just sort of there. That was a good, that was a nice little trade-off for for that, you know. Yeah. But uh but I do think that low self-esteem trying to prove my worth or my value or fit in or be normalized by other people, I felt really like everybody would know I was somehow less than. Yeah. And and less than because of, because of that sort of devaluing of of well, you know, of like the two most important people in your life where like, yeah, like the two people that you are most connected to, I don't know about worship or whatever, but they're right. like, this is, this is your template for being a human being. Mm-hmm. And both of them are shit according yeah. to the other one. Where you're sprung from. Yeah. That's right. kind of like you're left like, well, yeah. what is it to be? Right. A it's like up. if I said <laughs> a grown up. Yeah. If I said, you know, you are made out of diamond encrusted, you know, um, beautiful gemstones and tuna fish, and then I was like, and you are, you know, sprung from boogers and old meatloaf. <laughs> it's just like in the back of your mind, you're yeah. like, oh, I'm boogers yeah, yeah. and meatloaf. Yeah. I hope you know I'll I'll never be gemstones. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Did you did you get along better with one or the other? You you left with they your mom. Were so different that my mom is my mom was, you know. Now I know she's severely ADHD. But, oh. Um, but so there were no rules. It was a lawless oh, wow. place, and my dad was all rules, and all, you know, math, bu- math and business. Yeah. I mean, but. I, I, so when they were married, it was a really good combo for me because yeah. I had structure and free form. Yeah. But when they split, I had to, I, I was just so chaotic because I would be in my mom's house yeah. where I was having like chocolate and peanut butter for breakfast. And I was at my dad's house where I was allowed to watch only a half hour of TV on the black and white TV. Wow. You know, <laughs> it was just really yeah, it's hard like a to dual, adjust. a duality. Yeah. 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 So I was sort of, God, this is really interesting, Andy, because I did. I feel like I was sort of, I feel like I sort of split at that yeah. time, you know? Do you think that is like a performer inspiration? You know, like where you got to play two different roles? Well, it made me grow up really quickly because yeah. I couldn't wait to leave both of them yeah. so I could just hang out and do bad things with my friends. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I, part of my thing too is, like you said, 
being funny, finding out, oh, I'm funny, yeah. is morale keeping. Like when things are tense, mm-hmm. okay, it's my job to keep it light, to keep it loose, to, you know, and and make sure everybody's okay, try and put yeah. out fires. And part of that is that, <laughs> I mean, there's like these archetypes of, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, I think there's the Joseph Campbell archetypes. And one, the one that I think I fit is like the, the center person, the, I don't remember what it's called, but like, it's like always trying to take care of everybody, always mm-hmm. trying to keep the peace. And then like the last thing is like, is usually the first to leave. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll, you know, let me keep these plates spinning and uh, okay, bye. I'll, sorry if the plates fall and crash, but I got to go. Yeah. Fuck all y'all. Yeah. Um, so and that was kind of, you know, I mean, I'm the one that lives away. Mm-hmm. Everybody else does not live away. They all mean? live close. They're all together. Oh, my oh, siblings you're, and you're my parents and my mom, you and know, you're, you flew the coop and I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've been New York or LA and gotcha. I mean, you know, my job is such that that's the case is, too, but, but I think you're an artist, you know, and you, yeah. you need new, you need yeah, new yeah. input. Yeah. I mean, it's been a convenient sort of geographic thing. But. I mean, I feel like most people who want to do something outside of you know, who are performers and or artists or creative types, you know, need to constantly feed yeah. the beast and like and, see and new things. And yeah. get out of there too. Yeah. Get out of there. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I took the first opportunity I got. So when my mom got a job in Boston, I, I hitched a ride with her. But how, I, how old were you at that time? I was 15. 15. Yeah, I was in high school. And had you been living with your dad or with your mom or? You know. 50-50? Alternate weekends, yeah. Wednesday night dinners, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was sucked. Um, but mostly I was, again, I was just with my um, my friends who were bad influences. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but they were my influences. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny because I love where I ended up, you yeah, know, but yeah. I didn't love that journey, but yeah. I love where I ended up. So I don't feel sad or sorry for myself or anything like that. I, I have this, um, I think my, the thing I saw a quote recently, that's like, I wish I could quote it. I'd probably have to look at it because I have no memory, but it was something like, everything um, happens for a reason. Yeah. But it's like, it's more, you know, I love to give advice. I love giving advice a lot. And I kind of made a pact with myself that I wouldn't give any more advice unless anybody asked me for advice. And why is that? Because I used to, I I went through such a shitty time in my 30s where sort of the... The, the veil came down where in my 20s, you know, like from my teens and 20s, I sort of blocked everything out. And yeah. I just was in this forward momentum of pursuing comedy and acting and all these things and boys and making out and whatever was interesting to me. And it was so forward in that thing of wanting to kind of crawl into this life that I imagined for myself. And by the time I got to my 30s, I just sort of hit this wall where I realize like I I had to deal with myself, you yeah. know, um, I had to. Had you been in therapy at all? I was in therapy at yeah. the time and uh, probably why I hit the wall, quite yeah. honestly. I mean, I went to therapy for a fear of flying and I came away like breaking up my, you know, 
I was engaged, like ending my engage my seven year engagement and falling in love with this man. I met on an airplane. Like I just kind of nuked my life. All yeah, of a sudden. yeah. But I again, when you said for fear of flying, I was like the Erica Jong book. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, oh no, right, right. No, it was literal. Really, it was really impactful. Of, literal <laughs> fear of flying. Um, fear of flying. Yeah. Um, did yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's what happens is you open up. Mm-hmm. You open up that box yeah. and a bunch of, you know. Shit flies out. Yeah, a bunch of, you know, peanut brittle snakes fly out. Yeah, and then the thing that you keep, you know, the therapist keeps coming back to and you're just like, I don't fucking want to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Ends up being the thing yeah. that's, you know, cratering your life. And yeah, yeah. so I was really lucky. I had a great therapist and, yeah. um, and who kind of. Well, I switched to a great therapist who who kind of pulled me out of the darkness, but um, or helped me along. But but I realized that I had to I had to step on every rake, you know, and get yeah. bonked in the head. I, I would love to have been somebody that didn't have to, but so I don't I don't necessarily give advice because I don't think people suffering and going through hard times is maybe I'm a shitty person, but I am starting to believe that I think that's actually not the worst thing to happen to a person. Yeah. Because if I hadn't, I never would have met my husband and really seen who he is. And, you know, I don't think I would have realized my career in certain many respects. You know, I can't say for sure, but I feel like only when I lived these hard things, like did my full self materialize. Yeah. And then... It made space and room for kind of awesome things to happen. Yeah. You know? Um, and and you know, I always feel like by the time I got like my best job, there was nobody in my life that I was spiteful towards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, ah oh, God, isn't there some ex-boyfriend that I could rub you know, their nose scramble in this. up that'd be like, I did it. You yeah, told me I right, couldn't. Right, but the right. truth is, even if there was, like, I don't care. I wish them well. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not a saint, but I just there wasn't even I couldn't even scare up that person because I got to this place of like such humility because I had been I'd been so low right before that. You know? Yeah. So you know, that's sort of where I landed. So that's why I don't really give advice unless people ask. Yeah. Because I've, at the same time. Well, that also just seems to be common courtesy. It is common courtesy. You know. But not, 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 I can't help myself. I understand. Because <laughs> I'm that way. I'm especially that way. I've over time had to become, in work situations, mm-hmm. I have to bite my tongue mm-hmm. when I go do guest spots on places. Because I'm used to an, a work atmosphere where... My opinion is valued right. and, and I mean, beyond valued, like wanted. Right. And so, and I'm very much involved in every aspect, you know, every like, like you know, from like that shirt is distracting mm-hmm. to this bit needs a new ending mm-hmm. to, you know, just really, uh, you know, on the Conan show, I, I, you know, I'm a producer. I produce the show. So I'll go and do, I just did a guest spot yesterday and they're just, it's so hard for me because I also have, I've done some directing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, but I'm like, and I, but there are times when I. Did you say you were directing it? Yeah, no, I, I have directed, Mm -hmm. but I was doing this guest spot and there's just so many 
solutions that I just that like can see. blocking things or, mm-hmm. you know, and like there was, there was an awkward part where I knew the director, we were doing a pickup and mm-hmm. I knew that the director wanted to just get the, what part the director wanted. Mm-hmm. And the AD is like, well, let's take it from this, so from this beat a minute earlier than we need. Right. And I was just like, uh, uh, can't we maybe start from and and the director's like, yeah, 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 we can start from that. And the AD and it, shot me a look like, who the fuck are you? But exactly. I was like, hey, buddy, I just saved us all some time. I know. You know? I, Andy, I have completely learned to shut my shit in those yeah. moments because you're hypervigilant is what it is. Yeah. Like you're, you can see all yep. the f- cogs. Yep. And ADs are so focused on, mm-hmm. on their one thing. And I can't believe how much sails right by them constantly. Yep. And I I just was like, I know this can be so much more efficient. I, know, I, I know. just know it. And it's killing me. And, and now you just I'm like, it. you know what? I'm ca- the ch- as long as the check clears. Yeah, point, yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Like, I have so many stresses in my life. I guess I'm just not going to take this one on. Yep, it yep. is so, I mean, clearly why you probably need to direct more. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I eventually, uh, I've directed commercials, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and how do you like it? It's fun. It's really fun. What's fun about it is that it's like, um, it's almost like a, like a game in that you have, well, first of all, I love people telling you, you can't succeed at this. No, 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 no. (laughs) Uh, I love problem solving. Mm -hmm. I love, and I, and I, and Directing and actually produ- any kind of production, even whether it's writing a script or mm-hmm. the, whether it's blocking something or shooting something, mm-hmm. the, you are presented with problems. And you just take them one at a time and you think up, well, let's, you know, how can we fix this? What are our, our alternatives? And I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And um, directing a commercial, it's like a beat the clock mm-hmm. You have a set list of things you need to do. Mm-hmm. You got a set amount of time to do it. Mm-hmm. And as time goes on and things take too long, mm-hmm. you have to adjust mm-hmm. and say, you know what, let's fix this and do this. And, and, and it really, and it just is. And then you do it. Energizing. Yeah. yeah because, and you're kind of, it's all moving along and it's good. And What you about know. when like you have to problem solve in seconds? Like how do you ha- handle that? Mm, just. Bullshit. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, um, when they're like, we're going to have to lose this one part, do you fight for things? Oh, like, no. Do you no. Just- it, it all depends. It all depends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, but it is like, again, it's, it's problem solving. It's like, what are our options? I'm very, I have a very linear, linear kind of spatial way of thinking mm-hmm. that there's this. What are our options? What's the best one? Like just, I just think that, is, that way that's really good. in a work situation. Actually, it's a and really, actually in a personal situation. I was going to say, that's a really good thing I could probably take into my life all the time because yeah. I started to laugh because I was like, I'm second guest Sally. And oh, really? I was directing, which a lot of people are like, when are you going to direct? When are you going to direct? And I'm like, well, um, how much time um, can I schedule in my directing for buyer's remorse? Because like, <laughs> I know that I would be like, see, I'm yeah. sitting in the edit being yeah. like, I knew it. I knew I yeah. should have done that. And I, I this just did some regret time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can we pencil that in or... Um, yeah, because I just, I mean, I can't, I'm just like, I, 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 I gluten-free. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. I knew at the time I should have gotten the kind of, I, of course they eat gluten. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I also too, I, because of working on the Conan show, I have a lot of practice mm-hmm. at, uh, 
We're, on your feet thinking. Every day, every day we have bits mm-hmm. that, you know, that and there, there's more than what, usually, you know, more than what we use. Mm-hmm. So it's. Have you ever had a deal with, I don't know, maybe you can't talk about this. Have you ever had like a legit train wreck on Conan where in the moment you were like, I got to save this. Like this is going south. Um, no, I mean, not for a long time, mm-hmm. not for a long time. It's a pretty well-oiled machine. Yeah. And I mean, I have done that. Uh, I, ca- I have done that in interviews. Like I've I, seen you bring levity when clearly it's like somebody's very nervous or yeah. a little buttoned up or not great at the. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's like one of my jobs is to sort of, you know, utility player mm-hmm. and when and fill in gaps and mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm just wondering if anybody just was like, I'm sorry, I took a, I took too many Xanax before I came out here. <laughs> no, well, I mean, there's. I'm just going to go night, night right now. Early, early on, there were some sort of really awkward, awful interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're sort of few and far between. And in those ones, there wasn't much to mm-hmm. do anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, there are times when I, when it is a little. You know, when somebody's dull, mm-hmm. then I just will be – Conan and I will start talking to each other, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And I, that's just kind of like, well, that's, yeah, all right, this person is obviously not going to help us out. Let's just, you know, you and I have some fun. Yeah. Um, so okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, just you get used to it. You just get used to it too, mm-hmm. you know. And I have a – you know, I'm a wisecracker. I have a facility for it. Yeah. So, so. God, what a cool job that you have such an outlet for – because that's all, like, I don't need to be, I don't need to be a talk show host, but I would love to get my, oh. my punches in. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, being a talk <laughs> show host, I mean, doing, doing this thing <laughs> is actually, like, I didn't expect to do this. I didn't, I never thought like, well, I'm going to interview people. Mm-hmm. So this is just, and I'm really enjoying it um, because I'm having the, I'm having conversations that I want to have. Right. I'm not just talking to you about your latest project, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I and and from being from sitting next to Conan for all these years, there's no fucking way I would want to do that mm-hmm. because it just it's an artificial kind of form, and it can be very fun, and it mm-hmm. can be very light, mm-hmm. and I enjoy sitting there with it. But it's not the kind of thing that I would want to drive. It's mm-hmm. not the kind of thing where I would want to every day get a sheet of information about somebody mm-hmm. and have to go through and figure out to put together like funny anecdotes for a chunk. I just, it's not. Actually, now that you're describing it, it is starting to sound kind of fun, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, I would dig that. But I just, I like pressure. the, I like the free form. Yeah. I like a free form conversation more right. so. And, and we actually, the show now is a lot more that way that we're in a half hour format. And mm-hmm. rather than split up the interview into acts, we just do one long interview mm-hmm. and then, cut it up and show it on the air and then the full thing is on the internet. Oh, nice. Um, but so it's much more it's much more natural now than it used to be. But because- I mean, as a, I don't know what the personality type is called, but I could see where if you're aware of everything that's happening in the room, I mean, your job is so great for that because like I, I, all I want to do is make the most uncomfortable person in every room feel comfortable. Yeah. And I can, I, my GPS will just zero in on them immediately. Yeah. Uh, somebody brings a new person and I'm, you know, saying terrible things about or whatever, p- pick a topic, you know, and then I turn to them and I go, I'm so sorry. I mean, 
maybe you have some different feelings about, you know, I just sort of like, can I draw you in somehow? Or, or if I just notice one person isn't eating cake, you know, and it's not even my house or my party. I'm just sort of like, oh, did you not like cake? Where do you you think that comes from? um, Sort of take care of the lowest denominator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fuck, I don't know. Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's your life, man. Maybe Um, I wish somebody had done that for me. Yeah. Is it possible? That sounds, you know, like a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because I can take care of myself. Yeah. But I... Maybe it's maybe I'm just sensitive to that because, right. like I said, I just. Do you think it's just kind of a basic nurture, and that's sort of the yeah, avenue that it weird. takes? I don't have kids, but yeah. I'm extremely nurturing. Yeah, yeah, because that could. Which that, is partly why I don't that, have kids, because I'm like, that's it'd be too much. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a lot, but it also is the thing about having kids is yes, it's the biggest thing in the world, mm-hmm. and it's also the most common thing in the world. I know. You know, like next to death. The th- yeah, well, and also too, the you know, the first kid you're terrified, and then the next one, honestly, you do think like, oh, the, it's not going to die. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean, it's like you, right. you're so afraid of, of somehow killing this little tiny helpless creature, and you're like, oh no, no, these things. They're hard to kill. Uh. <laughs> Look, I've tried. Um, I, this is, I'm going to sound so neurotic when you hear this, but I even took a baby CPR class because I couldn't relax at pool parties watching parents just like hang out while oh their kids are God. swimming. I know it sounds wow. crazy, but I just was like, some, I, I'm not going to relax unless I at least know how to save the life yeah. once I grab the kid. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? so, <laughs> um, yeah. It's so also, that's also like a real power move on a parent, you know, the, like, like. Stand down. Yeah. I've got this. Get away from your drowning child. Yeah. You know. Keep drinking your spritzer. <laughs> I'll get it. I'm a comic actress. <laughs> <laughs> you may know me from such shows. <laughs> Here's my IMDB. Now get out of the way. And go sure. boil some water. It only went one season, but you know what? It was critically l- <laughs> acclaimed. Yes. Uh. Uh, I'm an indie darling. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's next level supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. 
We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Well, so you, you end up in Boston mm-hmm. with your mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does that translate into showbiz gal? You know, I, that which is a, you know, a really uh, yeah, modern way no, of saying it. No, that's what it says yeah. on my my personalized license plate. <laughs> um, my, oh, I wish. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, showbiz gal. Showbiz gal. Oh, oh God, I just I think barfed. I'm going I'm to get it. Showbiz gal. Please get it. It'll be our inside joke. <laughs> yep. Everyone will hate you. Um, so I feel like this is sort of a common thing. Is my mom just uh, one day was like, put up or shut up. You know, I, she said, I signed you up for, I was visiting my dad in Syracuse and I'd come back on the train. She picked me up and she said, um, you're auditioning for the community theater here and you're, it's a British farce called See How They Run, and you're auditioning for The Maid, and I signed you up. And How old are you at this I'm point? I'm 15. And why does she do this? Because you because have always been like, I'm going to be an actress. I, I think I was more like, why didn't you push me to be an actress? I oh. should have been. I wanted to be an actress. I have a grandmother, my father's mother, who got married at 17, who always wanted to be an actress and wow. blamed everybody yeah, for her yeah, not yeah. being an actress because, you know, she got married at 17. Um and was very austere, but very funny, I guess, very yeah. witty. I never knew her much at all until she was very sick. But, uh, and so my mother, you know, they had a very strained relationship. And my mother said, I'm not going to have another Watkins saying they could have, would have, should have been an actress, you know. So do it or don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, shit, okay, lady. I think maybe I was 16. And so I went and I auditioned and I had to speak with a, British accent and be like, oh, my God, I'm the maid. <laughs> that was a little Australian, I don't know. And uh, my cockney, and uh, I got it. And yeah. I, then I was just bit by yeah. a bug. Is there a different, like, if you had your druthers, are uh-huh. you like a stage actress or a stage I mean, I started out as a stage actor. actress because, yeah. again, I'm from Syracuse. Like, yeah. that's what that's showbiz what looked to yeah. me. There wasn't film crews around right. that felt like such a very – sort of alien dream, you know? Yeah. Um, I went to theater school. I did class, uh, classical theater training. Where'd I, you go to college? Boston University. Uh-huh. I moved to Portland, Oregon after a very starvation-induced year in New York City. Uh, Why Portland? Just I just ended it? up there on a road trip with a girlfriend. We, um, She was a good friend of mine in New York, and she was like, hey, do you want to blow this clam bake and go drive cross country in my parents' van? And I was like... Well, let's see. Let me count how much money I don't have. $4. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could rent out my room, use that to, you know, support food, your, food or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and we'll just go for a month and get the fuck out of this city because it's killing me. Yeah. It was killing me. How old are you at this point? 22, I guess. Uh-huh. And um, I ended up in Portland and I was like, what is this magical place? Yeah. Where, I mean, the whole... It's where 20-year-olds go to retire. It was not a joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I, or wasn't hyperbolic, I should say, I worked as a bartender there and I did theater 
and I started to become a good actor for the first time because mm-hmm. I was really bad. Really? Oh God, yeah, I was pretty unwatchable even through school. Yeah, I was. Um, I was Why? funny. Why do you think I was a fucking crack up? You know yeah. what I mean? Like I could make everyone piss themselves, but my Shakespeare and Moliere and all that was garbage. Oh. Um, why was that? It just. I, you know, I, that's also, I don't know. I just had no life experience to draw on. Yeah. And everything felt so phony and inauthentic to me. Yeah. It felt like everybody was putting on these arch airs and trying to be my lord, you know, and just like everybody, I felt like loved the costumes more than anything. And, but everybody was such a, you know, they, a lot, not everybody, but a lot of my class were naturally very good. And yeah. they, they kept getting better and better. And I kept wanting to smoke more pot and kiss more boys. And I just think I should have, if I, you know, could do it all over again, I think what I really probably should have done is gone and lived my life a little bit and then gone to theater school. Because by the time I graduated, I remember thinking, I wish I had this brain on my freshman year. I wish I brought this, this girl to the table because now I feel ready to learn. I just was, I was just a late bloomer. I just, um, I just, I just had to like, yeah, exercise some demons, I think. First. I, well, I also can see too, but I mean, I have sort of a jaundiced view of theater school mm-hmm. just because I took a couple theater classes and I've, I've talked about it before here where I just felt like, what is, why, why mm-hmm. are we doing this? And and there's some, and there is something and about. Now I understand it. I yeah. do understand. Do you? It. I, I, I still I think don't. It's just fully. wasted on twenty-two-year-olds. Yeah. You know? I mean, unless you really like, and this is what I mean about what we were talking about before we started recording about kids these days. They really, a lot of them have come to the table with such a <laughs> incredible understanding of like the human condition in many ways, you know, and what it is to just be a person and. And know themselves so extraordinarily well that, you know, um, that kids can come out at a really young age, you know, at a time where that was just not even on the table, like when I was growing up or, you know, um, what they fixate on and what they don't fixate on is just always so amazing to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm so impressed with this batch of kids. Like, they're so empathic. They're so... They just understand why eating meat might not be a great idea. You know, I, I just... These are terrible examples. I'm so sorry. But they just, I feel like they get big, complicated notions and ideas and they just get it, you know, that I didn't. And um, I just feel like these kids maybe could have gone to my theater school, but I I couldn't. And, you know, I I wasn't ready to look at my shit yet either. Um, I didn't have a context for it. I mm-hmm. didn't have enough distance from anything. Um, any of my pain and sorrow, I, I was still processing. I'm a very, I'm a slow processor. Um, and I didn't know how to contextualize anything in my life and be like, oh, that's because of this or that's because of that. And this is how I step in and be another person. Yeah. I just, I just, I, I just didn't know how to bring myself to my work yet. Yeah. And at all. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, acting, it's um, listening and responding. Yeah, yeah. Imagine just responding how I would respond. And then I, you know, got to know myself. Yeah. I set out to be a film actor because I mm-hmm. went to film school and that was sort of where my where In my Chicago? focus was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started doing improv, you know, because I was, you know, it's sort of like I could – 
I wanted to be in film and I worked in production and then I kind of wanted to write, but I also kind of wanted to perform. And so it was kind of all this sort of churning mishmash of all of it. And I, you know, like I have acted in lots and lots of things and, but I really don't know how to act. Mm -hmm. Like I just, for me, (laughs) I'm always, I've always said, and I've had people get mad at me for saying this. I was like, for my, what I do as an actor is just try to lie convincingly. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I'm not a basketball coach mm-hmm. and I'm not, you know, like, you know, I'm not this person. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that you, you know, when you learn to lie mm-hmm. and just to try to get away with things, you learn about like adding little details mm-hmm. or how you, you know, use your voice mm-hmm. or don't oversell it. And mm-hmm. so for me, I've always kind of just kind of thought like, well, this is a person on the page mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to make everyone believe that this person is right. me or mm-hmm. that I'm this person. Mm-hmm. And I so I, I don't really have... Technique. So, so much of what people talk about when they learn acting Mm -hmm. is uh, just a mystery to me. Because, and 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 as I've gotten older, and and I do think better at acting. It's all I can do is my my process is watch myself in things which I don't like doing for the anyway Mm -hmm. for the first thing, Mm -hmm. and uh, watch myself and go, that wasn't good. I, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like no, yeah, just know that like mm, that, that could be better. And and it's but just like this sense the... of like just uh, having a taste in like what's good and what's bad. Yeah. And just regulating that as time goes on and learning from other people too, you know, like learning learning from actors that are amazing. Just kind of and I don't even know like it's not like you can it's a granular thing that you take little things you're just like oh wow that person's sense of self-possession or whatever, you know, it's just, you know, one of the most amazing acting, like watching somebody act experience it I ever had was uh, I did a guest spot on uh, Will Arnett had a show called the Millers. I think it was called, it was on CBS for one, for one season. Right. For people that don't know when you do a multi-camera, you know, before an audience sitcom, Mm -hmm. you, Sit in the makeup room before you start and do you a do line. a speed through, what oh, they a speed call through. it. Yeah. And you just do, <laughs> you do do a line. Isn't that yeah, yeah. what you guys all We do? all get coked up, coke, you know, coke, but coke usually because you don't, you don't want to mess up the makeup. We blow it up each other's asses. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but um, we did the speed through. Mm-hmm. You're just sort of like making sure everybody knows their lines mm-hmm. you, and you just kind of zip, 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 mm-hmm. zip, zip. And Margot Martindale was a regular on that show. Mm-hmm. Watching her do the speed through, mm-hmm. just the intensity and the she poise, just, it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever yeah, seen. I, and I, she just was like, she was just rattling through her line. And I mean, they're sitcom lines. They're not, you know. Right, but yeah. I have to, I used to be somebody who could just be like, um, what's in the fridge? Yeah. Well, that's mine. No, then put it down. Okay. Well, if you're not going to drink it, I'm going to drink it. You know, I, I used to be able to do that, Yeah. but the, it's weird. I'm having all these dumb little revelations, but I realized that I cannot do that anymore. I have to act it every single time I do it because if I phone it in one time, I think uh, I'm afraid I'm going to phone it in on the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, and plus I'm always trying to find 
I'm always trying to find new things constantly. Like mm-hmm. I don't do takes twice the same way ever, really. You know, I mean, sometimes if the director goes just like that, can you do it just I like do that? I do the same because thing. Because we have a fucking boom in the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do the same thing because it's like you want to give them variations. I want to give them variations, yeah. but I also have this idea that I can really improve on the moment yep. if, I, if I'm if i more even more present than yep. I was before. And I find that checking out and just doing lines is is disconnecting something in my brain that is dangerous to disconnect. Yeah, yeah. So I, I stay very invested. Yeah. Even when I do table reads, like I go for it. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Well, that was kind of, that's I what, used to think it was super dorky when people did. I was like, oh, look at, look at old. Mr. Super oh, Trier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, we get it. You're very invested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I sort of understand it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, but it was, I, that's basically what it was, mm-hmm. is it was just seeing somebody uh, and I couldn't even, it, it's hard to explain, but just like an eye magnet. Where I just, everything that she, all these, you know, dopey sitcom lines that she's kind of, you know, going through real quick, but she's acting them as much as a person possibly could, Mm -hmm. but just quickly, (laughs) you know, without any sort of filigrees and, you know, doodads, Mm -hmm. just, it was amazing. And, uh, and I'm sure I, she's also marking it in her mind, you know? Yeah. Like she's probably like, now I'm pulling the toast out of the toaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and also, t- I mean, she's, t- you know. I know how Margot Martindale thinks. No, I've never actually <laughs> met her, I, but I'd like to. Yeah. Uh, um, well, that's, so how does that then eventually get you to L.A.? You, so know, you go I'm, from Portland, you're in Portland. I'm in Portland. You're kissing boys, getting high, serving drinks. <laughs> doing a lot try, of theater. Doing your Molières. Starting to do, yeah. I'm, I'm doing classical theater for the first time. Yeah, um, your comedy you know, del artes. In a paid venue, in a paid form, uh, regional theater. Uh-huh. And I started doing improv there. I knew nothing really about improv, but I it was like a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Why did you Why did you start doing it? Just because you felt I like just, you got to do a I mean, holistic thing and... I just, I've always been drawn to, I mean, comedy, like I said, in undergrad, I was very funny and a very bad actor. So like, (laughs) I would be like shitty on stage and then backstage killing it. Yeah, yeah. So I- My favorite kind of people. (laughs) I felt bad for the audience, but anyway, I tried to reverse that in, in Portland and tried to act well on stage. And I- to do the paid gigs, you had to do like the Shakespeare's and everything. And I realized I fucking hated it. I, had- I just, I would sit backstage for like two of th- two and a half of three hours, you know, and, and, you know, I would say probably my collective time on stage was 30 minutes. And part of it would just be holding a fucking chair or a door. And I never got the, the juicy monologues. I just, I, I always say, Forgive me if I've said this anywhere else before because I have, but there's like four. I wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't. Out of like, I just find it very inequitable. There's like thirteen parts. Yes. In any, let's say there's, let's say there's fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's say eleven parts are for men. Four parts in are for, Shakespeare. You in mean, Shakespeare, or you mean just generally in Shakespeare in yeah. general? Yeah. Eleven parts for men, right? For women, four parts. Of those four parts, one is great. Two are fine, serviceable. And one is like, what news? And I was usually that gal. Yeah. Um, I was just getting my equity card and all that kind of thing. And um, I just always felt like a fucking imposter every Mm -hmm. time I did it. I just, 
I never felt strong in that area. I wanted to be, like I said, that's all I was exposed to in my life. You know, we didn't have film crews. I mean, I'd seen television and mm-hmm. film, but I, I just thought, oh, that's for those people. They get to go to LA and do that. But I loved performing, you know, in the improv group. And I just finally was sitting backstage and I'm in this corset and layers of cute things. And um, I just stood up and I said, I'm moving to LA and I'm going to go be on a sitcom. And everybody was like, why in fuck would you do that? Yeah. I was like, we're in Portland. We're doing, we're living our dream. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like we can still we do theater. You bartend one night a week and can still get a steak dinner anytime you want. Yeah. Like that was sort of a very comfortable, nice life. You yeah. Know? Um, but uh, I just couldn't anymore. And I just said, I'm going. And I did. I just packed up my shit, got in a truck, came down here. And I was like, oh my God, I've made a terrible terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. And my pact with myself was, okay, I'm going to be here one year. And if I still feel this way after one year, I'm moving back to Portland and I can say I tried. I tried to go to LA and I tried to be on a sitcom. Did you you know anybody here? I knew one person, Uh a friend of mine from college who was an actress and who had lived in Port. We were roommates in Portland. Um, she started writing. She wrote a law and order script that she sold. So okay. she moved to New York. She was like our first success story. So yeah. I think in a way, Krista Vernoff is her name and she uh-huh. now runs Grey's Anatomy. She's oh, wow. A big shit deal. Um, but she was the first one. I think she wrote a practice spec. And yeah. Like, and then it got her a law and order. And from there, she just worked her ass off. So I think I was like, oh, there's an avenue um, but other than her, no. And uh, had you been here much and it never, spent any time? Ever came to LA before? Never once. No, my so whole. So when I, you moved here, that was your I inaugural LA visit. Was Colors the movie Colors? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, well, no wonder you were nervous. I was very nervous. I thought it's just going to be helicopters, and then I got to pick a side. Am I a crip? My blood? Am I? Yeah. You know, remember that movie Grand Canyon? Uh no. Uh, Kevin Klein. No, you still? No, I don't know. Oh, don't it's know. just like he's coming home from a from a Dodger game or something. He gets lost downtown, and then anyway, Danny Glover saves him from from getting murdered. But anyway, that was LA to me, yeah. and I or it was like Beverly Hills, you know, nine hundred two and oh. Yeah. Uh, so I just it it just was this, and it, apparently I'm right. It's this huge economical. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but anyway, there's this other place called Hollywood in Los Feliz, which has some, you know, a little bit of like poor people, um, and <laughs> <laughs> who aren't necessarily in a gang. Um. And so I decided to start off there, and I went for a hike, and this girl I knew. Oh, I hooked up with this friend of mine from high school from Boston, who I hadn't seen in years and years. And we went for a hike in Runyon Canyon. And she told me about the groundlings. And by the time we were done with our hike, I was like, I'm doing that. I will be a groundling. And she's like, well, it's a little hard. You know, you have to go. And I was like, no, no, no. This is exactly why I moved here. Yeah. Groundlings. Whatever you just described, if that's really what it is, it's for me. Yeah. And uh, I did. I took all the classes there and I became a groundling and... Then from there, you know, I guess my big, my, my sort of my big break was SNL. And SNL, then, yeah. yeah. But oh, well, yeah, there was 2008, eight, and nine, yeah. And, nine, and yeah. then I quickly and unceremoniously returned from SNL. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
What? Who is? Who is like your? Uh, what crop was that? I was uh, right after Amy had a baby, so oh, okay. I was. Uh, the women were Kristen uh, Wig, Casey Wilson, and then me and Abby. Oh uh, yeah, Elliot yeah. Got hired at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And the guys were um, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, Fred. Oh, sorry, I already said him. Um, Sudeikis, uh, Andy Samberg. Yeah. That wow. Group, that Bill Hader. Yeah. 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 Great, great group. Yeah. Lovely yeah. Lovely cast. And how, how, I mean, generally, I don't want to do a spo- full uh, yeah. on, you know, because no, I'm sure it's boring. Yeah. Um, and, well, and also that's like, I'm sure you've done lots of. I know. What was your SNL? Yeah. I know. People love to ask about it. I don't have much to say about it. Um, or I have, I think I unpacked it once in great detail and yeah. I just sort of feel like, well, that's out there if anybody's yeah. curious about it. Right, right. Then that's what Yeah, you know. exactly. Um, but it, overall, like, uh, you know, it's one of those things like I thought I had a great time, but then it, when I wasn't asked back, I was like, oh, was I... That I only I thought I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any? Do they give you any kind of clue as to what? No, to happens this day. or anything. It's to just the day. caprice of Lauren, you know. You know, I really was friendly with a lot of the writers, and they were really sweet. And you know, they've all said, I like one of them said, I, I've been here for fourteen years, and I've never. He's like, and I've seen some crazy decisions here. He's like, I've never seen a decision this kind of out of nowhere, out of the blue. Mm. Look, maybe he's trying to make me feel better, but yeah. I, I, I was, I, I'm a pretty good gauge. Like I know if I'm annoying most of the time, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. I can always feel it and I back off. You know what I'm saying? Like I. I no, I know be, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah, you're you're like I didn't fuck up that bad. Yeah, I yeah. mean the only like I'm trying to think. That and when I die, am I going to get a file that just says like, "Here's the transgression. You had no idea. Here's what happened, and here's what you did, or here's what you said, or here's yeah. how it went down." And no, it wasn't your fault, but this is how it all came together. Like yeah. somebody took a shit in Lauren's office, and you just so happened to be like walking away <laughs> at the time, and Lauren decided yeah. you took a shit in his office. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> what Watkins woman? Hmm. She seems. She seems cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that smells like her. Yeah, no, I, in fact, he was very complimentary um, when he let me go. Um, yeah. But I think if, I think he can't, my suspicion, do you want to know my suspicion is that. I, I, I would love to know your suspicion. I, I think he just didn't realize my age maybe. And I think that's something you can't really fire somebody for. So it's probably. Oh, he didn't realize how that you were older? Yeah, than- I was like very, I mean, I was 37 when he hired oh, me. Oh, wow. Which is in SNL years. Yeah, yeah. It's like 95. Right. They probably, you should, you're just lucky they didn't shoot you, you know, I, just to know put you out of your misery. They kept going like, you know, we got, did you, did anybody tell you about the rabbits in the field and back? <laughs> Do you want to go, why don't you go take a look? Just wander out there. It's like that scene in Goodfellas. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, why don't you go look at uh, some dresses? No, no yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, nice fur yeah, coats. Yeah. Get yourself one. Uh, Lauren says to you, uh, I'd like, you, it's your turn to be made. You're going to get your button. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. was it Lorraine Bracco goes, he's like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The dress is like, right yeah, here. Yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> see you later. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. So. I. Yeah. Oh, well, that's that. That makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. because that's you were there at a time. Because when I, 
we started doing the Conan show there in 93 mm-hmm. and it was, a, and I just, it was a terrible time to be a woman on that show. Mm-hmm. Terrible time, mm-hmm. an aggressively anti-woman time at times. Yikes. I just know from, you know, people firsthand tellings of what happened. What do you, what, what I want to know is like what the dudes do, you know what I mean? Like, I just hope like the fucking work field has changed in a way where when guys see how incredibly inequitable it is towards yes. half the yes. staff, you know, that somebody is like this, we, this, no, I can't tolerate this, you know? It does need to be forced on people. Yeah. Because they just, they. I, I don't want to make waves. I yeah. hate conflict. Well, and also too, being a white man mm-hmm. is not noticing anything mm-hmm. because there is like and I'm sorry but in relative terms being a white man if if you're middle class mm-hmm. you know and, and you know and especially in television and in comedy it is a fairly frictionless environment you know like sort of path for mm-hmm. you it, like I say in relative terms mm-hmm. um so there's just lots of times where the the lack of you know the the, the Conan show started. It was all white men, mm-hmm. and you kind of you're like, oh, it's comfy. Yeah, it was just like uh, there's, and then you go, you know, we'd go do sort of uh, like panels at the mm-hmm. at the at the museum of television. That you know, they kind of and you know, up and comers want to ask questions, and it was it would be. How come there's no women? How come there's no black people? How come, you know, and it was like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Gosh, yeah. I never thought of it, you know, and you, it has to be forced upon it people. It really does. Because, if you know, if somebody came to my house and said, you know, how come there's no window treatments? You know, yeah. Not that women are window treatments. Right. But, you know, you're like, oh, I... I, I was comfortable. I yes. never noticed it. But yes. now that you mention it, like this place could really use right. window treatments. Right. And and again. And oh, my it's God. Not- it's like 30 degrees cooler in here now. <laughs> like. <laughs> well, and it is. It's true. It is like it's also you have to remind the white male. I mean, throughout my, you know, I'm not I'm not saying like I'm some big, huge feminist hero or something, mm-hmm. but I definitely. More so than most men, I think, because I was raised mostly by women. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there I didn't have a lot of male presences in my life, so mm-hmm. I think that I do have more of a likelihood to see things from a female perspective, mm-hmm. or think like, "What is this like for the woman?" Or oh, you didn't grow up here? in a world probably where women were like in the kitchen drinking wine while men did blank. No, you know? no, I, they were, women did everything. It was integrated. Women did, uh, no women, there weren't, the, <laughs> you know, my folks divorced when I was four mm-hmm. and there just wasn't a man around and, the, you know, and that was, and then I, we moved in with my grandmother. My grandmother and my mother were, you know, they did everything. Mm-hmm. They, that, they ran the, my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but I mean, there's been instances of, like, this is just like a very sort of, elemental one that you're looking for the joke of here's something that will ensure everyone to watch this thing mm-hmm. you know like this is there's something boring but here we'll spice it up with something that everyone loves and everyone will want to watch and somebody says like a sexy girl dancing mm-hmm. and it's like you know there's something other than 
heterosexual males in the world. So yeah. that when you're saying like, this is the universal thing that everyone will want to see mm-hmm. there, it's like white, white guy go, mm-hmm. white hetero guy goes, sexy girl dancing. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, you got to think a little bit outside Although, yourself. You know, you know the, here's a, here's a great thing is that as I was driving here, uh, every billboard um, has that I was passing in every bus depot and like mm-hmm. in every, you know, bus stop and every, I guess, billboard on the, you know, and on a bus was uh, these female centric, like um, one with uh, Colby Smolders uh-huh. um, called Stumptown, like that was everywhere. And I was like, oh, look at that. And then I kept seeing the same, you know, billboards. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Alison Tolman is starring on this other show. Yeah. And her face, you know, holding a little girl. And I was just like, one after another, I was like, this is bizarro. Yeah. Like that every billboard I'm passing right now is it's a female centric show. It's getting better. It is geez. getting better. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, we're teaching dudes how to come into our stories now, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 and yeah. It's, it's so cool. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, and like I've always said, one of the best things that I, about getting on Twitter for me mm-hmm. and, and Twitter has been real. I, I mean, I know a number of, women who became comedy writers because they were funny on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that, and that there was something, it tended to be a more egalitarian mm-hmm. format. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of funny women that got noticed because mm-hmm. it was, you know, it's an equal playing field. Yeah. And there also think, I think there is something about just that, this little joke nugget mm-hmm. and there, and women that are good at it. Like it's just, their joke nugget is so much different than the male joke nugget. Mm-hmm. And what's her name? Dweck, D W. Uh, yeah, Jess Dweck. Je- oh, God. She's a, a, one of the best joke She's writers in the world. I want to just unbelievable. Yeah, and it's like and, I wish I could like well, talk to her. She's a she's like a nuclear reactor for jokes. And, and you know? it's and it's yeah, and it's she does something like she takes something that everybody's taken a swing at mm-hmm. and just. Drops a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. right onto the, like, the best way to say it. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, I was like, oh, I was kind of turning this concept over in my head. Yeah. But I couldn't get there. Yeah. And, and then, I certainly yeah. couldn't get there in six words. Right. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I've often said, like, I I really, like, I just, I funny women, um, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> there's so many. You've been married to one for well, 25 and I, Yeah. And I mean, and I've been surrounded by them and mm-hmm. some of my, my best friends are funny women and I love Funny women mm-hmm. and and I like to the, like more than funny men. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because I'm such a great feminist or the fact that I've been hearing funny men for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. And now now there's just like a lot more funny women mm-hmm. who are being funny, not in a way that's like I got to be funny the way men are funny. Yeah, which happened for a exactly. long time. Exactly. Like now there's oh, just like my pussy this, my pussy yeah, that. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Maybe I can't say it. On you your, can say on whatever you want. Show. It's your pussy. <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's not mine. What? I don't say my pussy. <laughs> um, I'm quoting my pussy. Yes. Um, no, but I just mean I I fell into that. You yeah, know, I fell yeah. into that rat trap for a little while where I was like, I'm going to be more disgusting than any man. Yep. 
just to sort of that'll be my uh, induction yes. into the club. Well, and there are there are female comics who are brilliantly filthy, mm-hmm. and but then there are a hundred. Yeah, Amy Schumer, y- y- brilliant is brilliant. Filthy. Sarah Silverman, it's brilliant, brilliantly filthy brilliantly and filthy. Un- says uncomfortable, mm-hmm. terrifying things mm-hmm. in um, a fresh, fresh yeah. way. And then there's like hundreds and hundreds of women going like, well, I guess I have to be filthy. Yeah, which is. I think that's happening less and less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not to bag on my fellow ladies, but yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a trap. And I, you know, God bless women who can do super blue but keep it fresh. Yeah, and I, I do really oh, love that. I, and yeah. I, and no, and I like, I mean, I like filthy stuff from everybody. Me too. You know? I, yeah, yeah. I don't like, I don't like people. You know, did you? Oh, that's so off topic. We probably have to end. How long no, are we going? Oh, <laughs> no, I, we are going too long. So we'll get, we'll, we'll hurry up here. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I could talk to you all day. Well, yeah, me too. That's what happens sometimes. And <laughs> I, I, I like started ready to go off on this other tangent. I started about- out. I started out at this thing. That I was like, I'm really going to stick to an hour, and it's really falling oh. all the pal apart. You know, well, you got, you got, uh, yeah, like thumbs up, thumbs up. That's all like around. that's a cool, that's like a the one of the best. Sh- I actually just lived a showbiz dream mm-hmm. in a recording studio. Somebody on the other side of the glass gave me a big <laughs> thumbs up. That is such a moment in a movie. Yeah. You did it. This is part of the montage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. That's like, I'm. This is I'm. We Elton, need the reaction shot. I'm Elton John, and, and this is it. Benny and the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. God. No, but anyway, go on the tangent. I now I want to okay, hear it. Quick you know? tangent. Yeah. It's also a dangerously controversial tangent. How do we feel about this? I well, if you know, we'll see. Well, I'm on the plane coming back from Colorado yesterday, and I must um, be nice. Oh, you know. Yeah. It's where I go for dinner. No, <laughs> uh, I was there for the Telluride Film Festival as yeah. a as a spectator, and I um. I'm a bad flyer, as you know. And so until my sleeping pill kicked in, I started watching the Chappelle, Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. stand-up thing. I haven't seen it yet. It's really audacious. Yeah. It's, I had so many feelings. I wish you saw it so we could talk about yeah, it. But yeah. I, I had just had so many feelings because I love that we've come so far that there are some things that we just don't fucking say anymore or need yeah. to say. You know, I love that. That's 90% of Michaela Watkins. Yeah. Four percent of Michaela Watkins is about to say that I do miss a tiny bit, and this is like I know that this can be a slippery slope. So I'm saying this as like for people like who microdose, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like microdosing versus becoming a full-on drug addict. There's four percent of me that really misses a time when comedians, comedians, not our lawmakers, not policymakers, but comedians could say fucking anything. Yeah. And they get to because they're doing, you know, comedic commentary yes. on our world. Yes. And you can, we as people can decide ourselves if we like it or not. Yes. You know, and and I, he goes there. He's like, goes there in a, a very audacious way mm-hmm. and says things that are supremely polarizing and gave me hives. Yeah. But also did it in a very, like, if you're going to do it, did it in the most funny way. Yeah. And that line is so blurry, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a weird way, we have to talk about that blur. Because yes. I think what what we are doing with, and I, again, I 
94% of me is all about like, we don't need to say half the shit we used to say anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we did it. It's probably not great. It really otherized a lot of people in really tragic ways. Yep. We don't need to do it anymore. Yep. Um, And then part of me is like, but I don't know that I want to police comedians. Well, my take on it is that we are in a, we're in a huge change period, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like just the fact that in my, in my work lifetime, Mm -hmm. the, 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 the sort of like the, just the progress that's been made in terms of like, Women just not being treated like shit, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there being awareness of you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't. So we're in a period, I think, of a, of somewhat of an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to last forever. Yeah. And it's not going to. But there are things where it's sort of like, look, to say oh, yeah, racial stereotypes are bad, but you got to admit that this kind of people really is like this. To me, that's not a truth teller. Mm-hmm. That's not like anything that's a challenge or anything. It's really kind of just contrarianism. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is naughty. I'm going to say what's naughty. Mm-hmm. Hooray for me. And there is an audience that will that will lap that up and mm-hmm. go like, he's saying what's really true. Mm-hmm. And because and, it's usually a he. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And and. And it's frequently a he that has had to deal with some kind of consequences. Right. You know, most most comedy males that have dealt with consequences mm-hmm. end up on the PC is ruining the world bandwagon mm-hmm. because they wish they could be in a time mm-hmm. when white men were unassailable pretty mm-hmm. much. And white men could say whatever the fuck they wanted. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're learning like, no, no, white men can't say everything that they want. Mm-hmm. So- but yeah, part of it me, might feel it might feel constricted. It won't be forever. It won't be forever. And it also is a challenge to everybody to find new things to be funny. It about. is. It absolutely is. But then, at what point do I police what a black man gets to say? Right. You know. Right. But then again, I don't know. It's it's case by case basis. Like, you know? know. And it's the case by case that yeah. I think is rattling everybody's cages because because people aren't. I guess this is what made made me sad when I was watching it. And this is, I think, ultimately my point about the 4% and the 90% and that there's random other percent that I didn't account for, which is, which is like has a big question mark over it, which is, I guess I just feel like some, I know one of your questions is what have you learned? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I guess I've just learned that people aren't nuanced, like they're not nuanced thinkers. Yeah, yeah. And I'm... I want to comment on things sometimes as somebody who understands gray, you know, and I realize that because we, because we have to bring some people who don't think in gray, you know, they, they're black and white thinking yeah, and that some of it is really whack. You know what I mean? Like women belong in the kitchen and black people don't deserve fill in the blank, Yeah, you know, um, yeah, then, or like I said, this kind of person is, you know, yeah. this race is this, you right. know. Yes. Um, the all lives matter people. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're trying to, uh, you know, pull them into yeah, yeah. into sort of a, a, a kind of a more 
inclusive mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think you make a great point. I think maybe you're right. I think as much as I had glee at some of his like really wrong shit that he was saying and was like sort of what I was maybe is like, it was triggering a nostalgia for like what comedy used used to to go, whoa, that was, wow, that is, you shouldn't say that. Right. But maybe it's okay that we don't. It's, it's like I say, it's case by case in terms of like the topics, but yeah, it's like Mm -hmm. just, there's a lot of it that's like, that's not new concepts. Mm -hmm. There's not, it's just, it's not, it's not new concepts. And I do think the bottom line for what's happening, at least in this country is the demographic shift Mm -hmm. to a white minority. Mm -hmm. And that's, part of this is white people, you know, like this to, to, they say to somebody, to an entitled person in Mm -hmm. quality, equality feels like oppression. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, kind of what's happening Mm -hmm. right now is that we are, we're moving into a a time where white people aren't going to, and I don't know how long it is, Mm -hmm. but like it's, they're not gonna. They don't get to call this. Yeah, they, it, their their power is 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 and diminishing, and they're and white. You know, the white hegemony is not letting that go. And white men easily. are very confused by this. Yes, and yes. white women are very confused because then you've got intersectionality. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, okay, as a woman, when a man is saying really offensive things, I'm like, you don't get to do that. But what if it's what if he's a man of color? Yeah. Okay. Well, is he saying things against me as a woman or is he saying things against, okay, what if he's saying things against the LGBTQ? Yeah. Okay. So, hmm. Now who, now who gets to have, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and this is where it does get, I think, yeah. very confusing. And, um, and this is, I think, how we have to hold so many things at once. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. And this is why I don't give advice anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's also too, <laughs> there's also too in this in this same kind of vein, there are things that just aren't worth talking mm-hmm. in, about in public, and there are topics that happen, like on Twitter, that I might want to address. That I'm just like, eh. yeah, I don't need to weigh in on. This. Yeah, I don't need to weigh in on this I because don't need to it weigh just in on your um, hunger strike because they're not bringing back the OA. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> let you have that one, okay? <laughs> or and and but I mean, but there's just stuff where it's like, oh, this is just. This is just I'm I'm not the I'm not even going to be you know I'm not doing myself any favors by wading into this. Mm-hmm. I'll just let other people fight this one out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so, but we do need to kind of I move know. on we here. Probably yeah. shut our mouth. So you have a you have, but I do want to. I you have a new movie coming out. I right? do. Yeah, Brittany yeah. runs a marathon. Brittany runs a marathon. Yeah. I've been hearing really wonderful things oh, about it. I'm so happy. I feel yeah. like you dig it a lot. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like super. It's everything I was just talking about. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's funny as hell. It's a little raunchy, but it is so much pathos and it's so loving. It's yeah, a yeah. really, really loving movie, but it's about struggle and, and it's it's everything kind of in one in one house. Yeah. So it's like if you don't know what kind of movie you want to see and everybody's arguing about it, you should go see Britney Runs a Marathon because everybody's gonna get something. Yeah. And at the end of it you're you're gonna feel so inspired. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of uh, just from the trailer, you kind of like play yeah, like everybody in the movie, like nobody a, is how you how right. you first meet them yes, and think they yes. are, and they're sort of um, positioning me in the trailer as her the bitch, the bitch neighbor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So, but it, I'm sure, but I know I imagine yeah. if you're going to run a marathon together, mm-hmm. there has to end up being a camaraderie. You know? Yeah. It's Spoiler just, alert. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just, you never know who, where your support system is yeah, going to yeah. come from. Yes. Yeah. Well, and also too, you have a thing, you, uh, you have what I've been accused of for years. You have a likability. <laughs> I've been accused of herpes. I have herpes. Um, no, you have a likability. Oh, thank you. And so I it think that. bitches constantly. No, but that's because life. you can get away with it. Because if you, you know, like it kind of like, a, you know, there's some, you know, there's actresses that are like, they don't seem like they're that pleasant. So they have to kind of play the heroine. <laughs> Whereas, I did have an AD tell me one time, like he said to me, because I was playing a really nasty character and he said, you know, it's so funny. I've been doing this a long time. And actors who are really just mean always are so concerned on set. Like, but do I seem likable? But do I seem likable? Yeah, yeah. He's like, and the, he's like, some of the nicest actors I work with are like, love to play the Right, the <laughs> meanest, shittiest person. Shittiest yeah. humans. And, See, I'm kind yeah. of getting to that point where I am getting kind of, I've been able to do some things where I get to play the asshole mm-hmm. because they're like, well, you're so likable yeah. that you that you can get away with being awful. Right. And I'm so fucking thrilled. And I think too as I age into mm-hmm. this fucking baby face of mine that I'll be able to actually play some really great dicks. Super dicks. I and I just yeah. I cannot I feel like I'm in my golden age of dicks. Yeah. I, I, I didn't most, mean it sound like a humble brag there, you know, saying like but I just was I remember when he said that about actors because I found it so fascinating. Like if I had that didn't seem I, like I, it just seemed yeah. Well I just wish that I had more gravitas, you know, like or, or you know what I mean? I just wish I it's funny, I love to go there, you know, but I think about these actors who change the temperature of a room, yeah. you know, like they walk in, you're like, oh, did it get chilly? Oh yeah. Did yeah, all yeah. the oxygen leave? Were you, I've you know? been, yeah. I've worked with some a- a- male actors where you feel palpable menace yes. from them. Yes. Yeah. And I'm just like, I would love to bring that kind of fire. Into yeah. Room, yeah. Yeah. Know? But Whatever. But you, what are you going to do? You what are you going to yeah. do? Murder somebody in an alley? Come in all bloody? <laughs> That's You're right. Like, Hi. <laughs> where's my trailer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, good luck with that. I can't, I can't wait to see it. And I, um, you know, the, the, the where are you going part? Is, do you have any, mm-hmm. like, specific aspirations that you're heading towards? I mean, obviously, direct, direct, direct. Everyone's telling you to direct. No, but, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I really want to... I really want to sink my teeth into some juicy, beautiful film, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in a in a really meaningful way. I finally got four years on a great show, Casual, where I got to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd really love to just do like a, I want to do like a period piece. I want to do like a Jane Austen yeah, yeah. You know, thing where I'm like, she shall piano now. <laughs> and it's like, oh, Lord in heaven. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Nobody See, can I actually want, sing. I want to be like a, just a, like a sociopath. <gasps> I want to wow. play like just like a violent fucking monster. You know? I would for sure cast you as that. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not being yeah, thank funny. You. Yeah, I'm yeah. serious. Like. 
I think that's the thing is because like there's an every like a every guy quality yeah, to you, yeah. and I think those are the dudes that scare me the fucking most. Yeah, yeah. You know, when the turn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god, you yeah. have to. All right. I got to go. Bye. Bye. No. Enjoy uh, murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess the, the what have you learned part of this question, you know, I got to hit them because otherwise the the executives here at the podcasting company will just be down oh, my your, throat. The suits just came down from oh, the 34th floor. The higher ups who are all 12 years like old. Seven assistants yeah. in tow with clipboards. <laughs> Ready to pull the plug yeah. on this operation. Yeah. Uh, what have I learned? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, think I, I think I named 17 things I learned. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. Um, but mostly I have just learned there's nobody in charge, so we have to do well one-on-one with each other. Yeah, yeah. 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 I really thought, like, we'd always have parents. Like, the government would be parents and, you know. And now I just, we're in a time where I realize, like, oh, there's no parents. Yeah. There's children. There's little babies. Yeah. In control right now, yeah. little egos, and so on a municipal, like local level, we just have to start to take care of one another and yeah. let that hopefully go up the chain. I always have said because my my mother it was a small business owner, mm-hmm. my stepfather was a small business owner, so you know my teen years was spent working for them and mm-hmm. being in there, and it just being. There's no business plan. It's just like, oh, shit, that's going wrong. I better deal with that. Mm -hmm. There's no forward thinking. It's Mm -hmm. just all waiting for something to happen, sitting sitting until something happens. And I thought that somehow out in the big professional adult world, Mm -hmm. there'd be a no. No. It's still the biggest organizations, the biggest corporations, Mm giant juggernaut contraption God. operations. Everyone's just like... It's fucking Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they're all just like, oh, I don't know. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not planning. There's not... Nobody's really quite sure what there's they're doing. Crazy. We're all just... One megalomaniac with, like, controls. Yeah. Being like, it's... I'm telling you, it's like Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's just such the the illustrative version of yeah. this, which is just like, I have a booming voice, but signifying nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, it's like, I always Shakespeare think, in there. I always think that, um, full of sound and fury. I know. I know. That's a Faulkner thing too, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Sound and fury. Don't read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, and it was really, really good, too. Oh, fuck. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Um, to me, fair friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Ew. God. She figured out the way Ew. to make him forget I honestly, everything. I honestly, I, Shakespeare, is, for me, mm-hmm. the last I saw, uh, I, the last Shakespeare thing I saw, it was in the park, in the Shakespeare in the Park mm-hmm. in New York City. And I had this moment where it's like, I don't have to ever see any more Shakespeare ever. Yeah. But when it's done well. I know, but it just, even the done well, Mm -hmm. and I've seen it done well, I just. You felt okay. It's just like, I honestly, it's hard to know what's going on. It's kind of amazing because there's nothing I watch 20 times. Like I haven't watched Star Wars 20 times and that was my favorite movie growing up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I've watched it 20 times. Uh, Let's say another movie I love, you know, Eternal Sunshine. I was following mine. I haven't watched it 20 times. But Shakespeare is over and over and over. over over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not me. 
I think uh, if you anybody takes anything away from this, it's that Shakespeare sucks. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what kidding. we've learned. But it's important. I know it's important, but I just, you know. But you're good. It, yeah, no, Look, I mean. people didn't live this long in Shakespeare time, so they wouldn't be watching any more Shakespeare. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I would have, I'd be dead by from syphilis by now. Yeah. Yeah. So you good. I yeah, thank you. Or your children would have killed you. <laughs> well, there's that's still a possibility. <laughs> well, Michaela, thank you so much for coming in. Um, this was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, we should be pals. I know we really should. Yeah. yeah. Friends. Friends. friends this is why I had this podcast. <laughs> Conan's podcast is about making friends, but it's really me that needs them. <laughs> He's out there in the Palisades palling around with, you know, going on bike rides with John Paul Gosseler and things like that. No. Whereas me, I'm here in Burbank picking up dog shit. Mm. Not even mine. My dogs. <laughs> uh, not even your dog's shit? Not even my dog's just shit. Just some other dog's just, shit. Uh, yeah, just I have a compulsion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a compulsion and a collection. Uh, <laughs> Jars with things yeah, yeah, and yeah. other dogs. Mm, yes. Someday I'm going to get to analyzing them, but until then, <laughs> they just stack up in the guest room. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just found your next movie. <laughs> well, Michaela Watkins, God bless you, even though I don't believe in it, her, or in you. him. I believe in you I believe very in much so. Peace. And uh, and uh, thank you very much, all of you out there, for tuning into the three questions. And uh, we'll hear from you next time. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galitza Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.